In the previous episode... Herbs and spices have been used for millennia for treating a variety of common ailments. Some of the medicinal uses of plants are widely recognized, even by modern medicine. Other uses are often more obscure and remain in the realm of the modern-day herbalist and alternative health enthusiast. It's fun to think of all the health benefits of a meal you've created with a variety of herbs and spices. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken, disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Los Calzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what do you do when you have a patient or client who presents with an autoimmune diagnosis. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice. And it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're gonna have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th, 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. How should you proceed? What needs to be addressed? We know that in Western medicine world, autoimmune is considered a lifelong problem. Like, okay, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. We may have some steroids or other drugs that we can give you to support you. And in reality, with the tools that we have in functional nutrition and functional assessments and lifestyle, we can help people to reverse autoimmune conditions in so many different ways. So no matter what the diagnosis, the cause, the underlying causes of autoimmune diseases are similar. There's a set of causes that we need to address. We can't just say, oh, you've got Crohn's disease. Here's your steroids. This is going to help you. And then they continue to live life the way they lived beforehand, the way they lived that caused them their immune system to break down. So I'm here today with one of our nutritional endocrinology practitioner training graduates, Lisa Filotti. And she's worked with a lot of patients and clients over the last 20 plus years that she's been a functional nutritionist. And there's certain things that we're going to teach and we do teach in our nutritional endocrinology practitioner training to help and guide you through this process. So Lisa's going to give us a little like behind the scenes on some of the things she does and works with her patients with autoimmune, but also like 
really talking about specific cases and people. So she is uh, known for her ability to help patients with mystery conditions that they're having trouble resolving. She's been, like I said, a functional nutritionist for over 20 years. She's based in Switzerland, and she's spoken at quite a number of my live events. If you've been to any of those, you might recognize her name. And she wows the audiences with her in-depth knowledge and her systematic approaches. She's been a coach in the INE online clinic and in our Energy Recharge Inner Circle for many years. I'm thinking eight years at least. And I'm so excited to have her here today to talk about the clinical management of people who present with autoimmune conditions. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you for that lovely introduction, uh, Dr. Marie. I am super excited to have you here and to share your brilliance with our audience, our podcast audience. So I am, um, I just like to say, like, when you hear somebody come in with an autoimmune disease, and, and it doesn't matter which one, right, whether it's Hashimoto's or Crohn's or lupus, what are some of the first things that you're thinking about and the steps that you're going to take to help that person get their disease under control? Well, I'm glad you asked that, um, because regardless of the specific diagnosis, some, most people come to me, they already have a diagnosis. However, sometimes there are situations where people are coming to me with mystery symptoms and they just don't feel well, and then I help them uncover um, perhaps an autoimmune condition. I don't diagnose, but we do testing, and then through the doctor, we figure that out. So um, through the work of... Um, well, a couple of things I wanted to say that before I start is that through the practitioner training program um, that I did with you, and, um, and I developed the courage to be able to tackle more complex cases, because it's scary when somebody comes to you with longstanding issues like autoimmunity or cancer, and can I help them? And the answer is yes. You know, there's a continuum from health coach to functional nutrition practitioner, and we can all help people in the most basic ways before getting into complexity. But where do we start? When somebody comes to me with a diagnosed autoimmune condition, that means they've tested positive to some kind of antibody. So through the work of Alessio Fasano, we know that there's a triad. There's genetic predisposition, there are environmental triggers, and then there's the presence of leaky gut. And that seems to be um, the constant, regardless of the autoimmune condition. And so what I do when somebody comes to me is, of course, I research the condition. So I don't have to have knowledge about the condition. I can read, I go on PubMed, and I research. And I also, I try to figure out if there is a medical treatment for it. I mean, obviously, I can't do that, but I, I want to know what the medical doctors um, do for this certain condition. And this is probably supporting autoimmune conditions is where we as functional nutritionists differ most profoundly with medical practitioners because of what we can offer our clients as opposed to the medical doctors. Now, this is not to criticize or anything. It's just that medical doctors are limited where it comes to autoimmune conditions. Besides the diagnostics and perhaps, as you mentioned, giving steroids, there isn't a whole lot they can do. But we can do a lot. So what do I do? So I don't focus as much at the genetics. I look at the environmental triggers, for example. So there's one case in particular. A man came to ERC and he was diagnosed with statin-induced necrotizing myopathy. So I had never dealt with it before, but I knew that it was an autoimmune condition and I, and I researched it. And so then I started looking for 
environmental triggers. And of course, the main trigger was the statin drug itself. So 1% of people who have, are given statins develop this kind of autoimmunity. So that seems like a small percentage, but if you're that person that falls in that 1%, believe me, your life changes forever. And then he had a double whammy. He had also been exposed to uh, fluoroquinolones, so he was floxed. He had had uh, Leviquin antibiotics, so that happened sort of a couple of years later, and that amplified the whole statin-induced necrotizing myopathy situation. So those were two triggers. And then other triggers that I identified through testing. So he, he came to me with an archive of tests, I mean archive of tests, uh, whether they were lab tests, blood tests, stool tests, organic acids, etc. And by his own description, he had spent three years prior to coming to ERC seeing numerous specialists often two or three of each kind, including rheumatologists, neuromuscular specialists, pulmonary physiologists, chiropractors, acupuncturists, functional medical doctors, functional nutritionists, psychiatrists even. And so by the time he came to me, obviously he was at the end of his patience. And so I wanted to do more than just tests. I also wanted to be able to help him with some quick wins. He had also dropped some, you know, 30 pounds, and I didn't really know if he could gain weight because part of what he had was something called necrotizing, so I didn't know if it was possible. And then, of course, I looked at his gut test, and um, he had elevated zonulin, which is, you know, telling us about the presence of leaky gut. He was positive for H. pylori. He had candida. He had blastocystis. So many of these things were already there on the test that he had, and all, I tried to explain to him that um, the, the genetics that he possibly has, the presence of these various environmental triggers, plus intestinal permeability, come together to create the perfect storm, which helps manifest into this autoimmune condition. So part of my job is finding out what these triggers are and reducing them. Of course, food sensitivities as well, toxins, etc. And he had a mega viral load, so um, he had very high EBV, Epstein-Barr virus antibodies. So it sounds all very overwhelming, actually, but it isn't when you can break it down into these component parts, you know, so environmental triggers and then looking at the gut. And then I just threw an extensive health history, finding out, you know, everything about his health history, about his diet. Um, then, of course, looking at all his tests, figuring out if there are any gaps to his testing, interpreting his tests, looking at what he's done with all the practitioners, what was successful, what wasn't successful. And then from there, creating a plan. But I mentioned it was important, I felt, for this person because he was he is a man. I'm not working with him any longer. I supported him for two years. But a man who is impatient, who has been to many, many doctors. So how can I help him gain confidence and create these quick wins? So, so weight gain became um, the basics were weight gain, replenishing nutrients through diet. So food first. He had been on numerous diets from the Walls Protocol to autoimmune um, uh, paleo to, I don't know what, everything, vegan, everything, everything. And, you know, he just didn't have a handle on his diet. He didn't know what to eat. Plus, he seemed to be sensitive to everything. So he was hypersensitive and besides being in a hypermetabolic state. So first stop, you know, or the first place was to replenish his nutrients through diet. And then, of course, replenish his nutrients through targeted supplements. And so I could use his testing um, to help create a plan. 
And what I didn't want to do was to follow what his previous practitioners had done because it hadn't really helped him. So his previous practitioners, especially the functional ones, had really focused on the fluoroquinolone toxicity. So what we know about that is that it produces a lot of oxidative stress and particularly in the mitochondria. So they had done a series of organic acid tests and they were supporting him there. And, you know, while they had shown a bit of progress that really hadn't done anything to help reverse his condition. And what we know about, or how I work with autoimmune conditions, if you can think of, if I can just sort of paint a picture in your head of a seesaw. And if you have one side of the seesaw, all of the autoimmune condition and all the contributing factors, and then the timeline. And then the other side of the seesaw is all the therapeutic interventions that are possible. So which one and when? So it's really about the right time at the right place in order to make the person have a help them with their reserves, okay? So that we want to balance all of this out. And the initial goal for me with all autoimmune conditions actually that we're working towards is to create or to identify inflammation and is to actually help achieve a state of no or low inflammation because a hallmark of autoimmunity is what defines autoimmune conditions is tissue damage and inflammation. So while his previous practitioners had really focused on the mitochondria, which is the right thing to do, but perhaps in another sequence, you know, later on you can do that. But I really wanted to identify all the points where there was inflammation manifested. So whether it's looking at high sensitivity CRP in the bloods and various other markers, ferritin, uric acid, fibrinogen, but then also looking further, looking at the gut, looking at calprotectin, all the, the um, markers of inflammation there, and then of course looking at dysbiosis, and then in the organic acids, looking at the lipid peroxide, so looking at oxidative stress at the lipid level and at the DNA level, so 8-OHDG. So these are, I mean, I'm just listing a lot of things, but that's how I was thinking. So that was the goal that I was working toward, is to help him reach a state of no or low inflammation and to identify all of the points. Because he kept reminding me that his HSCRP was low. I'm like, yes, dude, I know that, but you have inflammation going on. You have an autoimmune condition that is um, very active and you're in a hypermetabolic state. So there's inflammation that is chronic and silent and, well, not so silent, but it was there. And so it just really started with the basics. So weight gain, which was, you know, asking him to track his calories. He was under eating. So that's really basic, you know, go on chronometer, figure out how many calories. And we agreed on a slow weight gain strategy. And it's really, really hard for people who are in a hypermetabolic state to gain weight. Just as it's hard for people who have weight loss resistance and they can't lose weight, it's very hard for people to gain weight. And so they, he had to have a certain number of calories. We had to get him up to nearly, I like to say like 4,000 calories. And if he dropped below that, he would just, he would lose weight. If he skipped a meal or a snack, he would lose weight. So the whole idea was to stabilize his body and to support his immune system, replenish the nutrients through the diet and then through supplements. And then I also suggested once he started to gain weight and also looking at his symptoms, because he had constant flares. And I should say about autoimmunity, my goal is to slow 
stop or reverse it. We can't really speak about a cure, but we can talk about slowing, stopping, and reversing. And then each autoimmunity perhaps has its own series of markers that you can track. So you can track somebody's progress. And in his situation, there are certain markers that are identified through the literature, and he had been tracking some of them. So the muscle enzymes, because it's attacking the muscles. So creatinine kinase, and then another one called adelase, and then the liver enzymes. ALT and AST. So uh, he was getting those measured every every two months. So he, as he started to gain weight and he started to feel better, also started to gain his confidence. So that's also very important because, I mean, I can create the most perfect theoretical strategy, but if I don't have buy-in from the client or if they don't feel they can do it, then it's it's useless. It's worthless. But he he really when he started to gain the weight. He hadn't been able to gain weight for, for a long time. He started to, I started to gain his trust. Plus, I've worked a lot with men, especially corporate guys, who are very impatient. So you can't kind of, the consultations have to be very focused. You know, they just don't want any, they just, it just has to be focused. They don't have time and the time you spend with them has to be very efficient. So I, thank God, I have already worked with a lot of this type of person. So I just was able to uh, well, I was able to keep his attention, let's say, during the consultations. But I also helped him find practitioners, as I'm not a doctor, that could help replenish some of the nutrients through IV micronutrient therapy. So, of course, it represented costs on his side, but he needed so many nutrients and he was so deficient in so many things that I thought IV therapy would be very important. So he did that. We worked on blood sugar regulation. So gut health and blood sugar regulation are the gateway to health. And so we work on those basics. And if we don't, if those things, those foundations are not in place, then we're not going to improve things. Um, and of course, supporting the immune system. And then with him was also assessing and addressing acid-base balance and then restoring cellular hydration because he was really actually dehydrated. So that's pretty much where I started. And we started to turn things around. His CK levels, which was, they, they dramatically came down and they finally came down into the optimal range. They had been really high, I mean, really extraordinarily high. And, and then they would come down and then he would flare something up. He was a very active person and he would do something, something in his house, fixing something or he would do too much exercise and then it would flare it up. So I was trying to also explain to him that while we're going through this process, it would be important to kind of keep himself not, you know, wrapped in cotton, but to keep from flaring himself up so he can give his body a chance to recover. And the idea was that he would be able to increase his activity over time. It's a person living in Colorado, outdoor life. He told me that, you know, if you're not able to bike or ski, then there's no social life. So his life had basically changed fundamentally. And that was one of his goals. He wanted to resume his favorite activities. So I wanted to help him get there. But it also, it had to be slow enough for his body to be able to, to cope with that. The worst thing you can do with this kind of autoimmune condition is to do a lot of aerobic activities. And so one of the goals was to reduce the number of flares and then to shorten the duration of the flares. And he was very good at tracking his symptoms. So, so we did all that. So the first year, we just worked on these basics, as I said, you know, diet, the nutrients, blood sugar regulation, the immune system, digestive system, acid-base balance. I mean, these are all the basic things. 
and um, then the CK levels came down. And I had also, through my research, found that there was a therapeutic modality offered by physicians, and that is um, IVIG, so intravenous immunoglobulin. So I told them, look, if nothing else works, there's always that that you could do. Let's try this other stuff first. And he did his own research, and he found, because I had given him some studies to look at, and there's a researcher at Johns Hopkins who was exactly working on this. And he went, after the first year that we worked together, he went there, he consulted with them, they did all the muscle tests, and they decided that he didn't need IVIG. And I was just thrilled for him. I said, see, you went there, they assessed you. But that, that's not the end of the story, right? Because he wasn't, I mean, he gained the weight and his body came out of his hypermetabolic state. So that was great. So that meant that if he skipped a meal or reduced his calories, he didn't lose the weight. So that was also a way for us to measure or to figure out how he was doing. But there was just some other imbalances that I had picked up on in his organic acids and in his gut tests, you know, all this oxidative stress that we had to um, address. So we started to do that, but it was harder because these things were clear to me based on the test, but perhaps he didn't have any direct symptoms. And so it was like a lot of ammonia buildup, hydrogen sulfide gas buildup, and lactic acid buildup. So trying to deal with all of those things and being able to identify it. But he played along very well. And yeah, we really, really turned it around. I mean, I don't know where he is now. I guess he doesn't need our help. Otherwise, he'd, he'd come back, I guess. But I was really thrilled for him that, um, you know, he gained his weight and got not his life back completely. So every time his levels came down and then he'd go and he'd ski or something like that, and then he'd get a flare, it was very disappointing. It was just trying to explained to him that this was lurking in the background, you know, so you had to get well enough. And we never got the antibody levels down. So that was my next goal. So I didn't work with him long enough because we he measured the antibodies once a year. It's these anti-HMGCR antibodies. It's specific for statins. And people at the Mayo Clinic had found it. As I said, he'd been to all the best clinics. And I don't know that they can come down. He said the doctor said they couldn't. And I'd I don't agree. I think that over time, perhaps we can bring them down, but I just, I don't think we work together long enough. But it was absolutely amazing to see the transformation in him and that we were able to get his levels um, under control. I mean, that, that I guess. Awesome. Yeah. There's a lot there, yeah. a lot to unpack yeah. there. And, and a couple of things, I just want to kind of synopsize yeah. um, what you shared yeah is that a lot of times we're looking for that needle in the haystack because, wow, they've been to the Mayo Clinic, they've been to all kinds of places, and we need to help and we want to help. And yet a lot of times just not looking at cellular hydration, not looking at the specifics of the diet. You know, people say, oh, I'm a following a diet, functional medicine doctor diet, but it may not be the right way for them. So I remember, I remember when you were working with him, and I had a couple of conversations with him that he may have been like on the walls diet or on the this diet or that diet, but certain things he was not being consistent with. And that's where with somebody with an autoimmune disease, yes, they're gluten-free, but every couple of weeks when they go out with their friends, they're having beer and they don't pay attention, right? And those little things make a huge difference in someone with a severe autoimmune disease. So it really does have to be you sitting down with them and like you did, explaining to them how the different lifestyle factors are affecting, how him going out and skiing 
when he had a good day is possibility of setting him back several weeks because he's not strong enough because the antibody reaction is still there. So there's so much there. And this just, we always have to start with those basics of what are the stressors, right? So there's a genetic, there's the stressor and there's leaky gut. And we can't do anything about changing the genetics, but we can do things to help alter the expression of those genetics. But you have to get, you have to identify and get rid of those stressors and you have to look at the leaky gut. And if you don't do that, then you're going to be missing the boat. And that's when you look back at how he was managed over the time, there were probably just little subtle things that were missing. And when I teach practitioners who've been through it in, in NEPT, we go through, you've got to do a really thorough history. You've got to really look at all these factors and not just skip over to go to what's the fancy herb or what's the, the specific nutrient. You've got to work on those basics as well as then looking at those other things. Absolutely. And for example, you know, the, with all the renowned or luminaries he had been to, they hadn't measured, for example, IgA or secretory IgA. And that is one of the found. So my question was, okay, you have an autoimmune condition, but how well is your immune system working? And his IgA levels were suppressed. And um, uh, Genova offers it in Europe and was offering it in the U.S. then, but you could do, uh, they've taken it off, I don't know why, but you could measure secretory IgA. And I measured secretory IgA in the saliva. We had the fecal secretory IgA in the, on the stool. And then we have IgA in the blood. And they were all suppressed. That meant that his immune system wasn't strong enough to mount a response. So then it just looked at things, ways to improve IgA. So whether it's the vitamins and then looking at the short chain fatty acids and the fiber and making sure all that stuff. And of course, the non-negotiable was gluten, gluten and dairy. Those were two things. And he couldn't imagine how he could meet his caloric goals without gluten and dairy. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> so it was also mm -hmm. helping him there. Um, and I think you had quite a good session with him as well to convince him it's just gluten and, and actually dairy, because it's a cost-reactive food. These are non-negotiables. So it just those things cannot be in the diet if one is expecting to have some kind of recovery. And hopefully, just as I said, slow, stop, or reverse the autoimmunity. So, so it was, you know, so it started there. And then once his IgA level started to recover, and I measured IgE, you know, the normal antibodies, nobody had measured those before. And he had really good insurance, so his insurance was covering partial costs of the nutrition consultations and, of course, the testing. And then once the immune system started to recover, they were high. And all, and all in, in the blood, in the saliva, IgA was high in blood, saliva, and in the stool. And trying to convince him that, okay, so this is, your immune system is activated, so we've got to deal with whatever it was, the leaky gut, dysbiosis, all of that. So that's what we were, we were working on. And I think that really helped in turning it around. So as I was saying before, when you look at the seesaw and trying to give him a better sort of resiliency so that if he, not if he falls off the wagon and starts eating gluten and dairy, but if he goes on a hike or something like that, that he's not going to always flare himself. But it's really starting off with the basics. So the difference between the way I was supporting him as opposed to the functional doctors, that they were just focusing on the mitochondria. Mitochondria support is also important. I mean, especially if, if there is uh, fluoroquinolone toxicity, the mitochondria are literally exploding. 
but they were starting there. So you've got to deal with the other things first. Otherwise, it's not going to really help the whole body. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I was yeah. getting at, right? We, we jump in and you want to find that heroic solution because they've been to so many people and we think, oh, they must have done this or they must have done that. And in reality, we're seeing that that's not happening. Certainly not happening with the medical approach because, you know, that's not what that's not what's taught in medical school. It's oftentimes it's not approached in a naturopathic situation because, again, there's a big focus on nutrients and herbs and what is that special thing. But the whole thing that I learned in school was when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebra. And in this particular case, there were a lot of zebras going on, don't get me wrong, because of this specific toxicity. But in terms of turning it around, you can't skip right to the zebra approach. You've got to deal with the, the common approach. And and this is so exemplified with this case, yeah, Lisa. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that was really, actually, that's what I was trying to say also in the beginning, the spectrum of health coach to functional nutrition coach. I mean, every health coach should be able to help with the fundamentals, um, the foundational. Maybe, you know, people can't or don't understand or don't dive as deeply into all the test results, but then I could actually see the goodness and then go from there. And that's, it's also really important to find out in the history, you know, what they've done and how well it worked. If it didn't work, why would you do it again, you know? <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's one of the critical questions I always ask in, and I teach people to ask in a history is, tell me exactly what you've done before. Tell me what worked and what didn't work. Because when I look, not just to say, well, I'm not going to do that again, but why didn't that work? What that tells me about the biochemical pathways that are in disrepair or disrupted about what didn't work gives me as much information as what did work. And that helps us to put together a program and a protocol. And I want to get back to what you said about the, you know, the range of practitioner. So health coaches may not have the depth of, you know, if you're trained in like IIN or some of the health coaching schools, they teach you great stuff about the fundamentals and the foundations, but not so much about the testing and, and you know, the real pathology, the pathophysiology, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry of the body and of the disease process. So a lot of health coaches don't have the confidence to be able to go, oh, I can't deal with this person. I'm going to send them away. I'm going to send them to a functional medicine doctor. When in reality, dealing with those things that you know, and then either getting the training like we do in NEPT, we get a lot of health coaches that want to go deep so they don't have to be sending everybody away. But then, you know, you send to an appropriate person to get the right testing if you don't have the knowledge or the experience or the licensure to be able to do that. So I think all of us at different stages of this, whether it's, you know, a health coach or a, you know, all the way to a neurologist, right? You all have different levels of training and you can start to think differently. And it's really thinking systematically. And in terms of everybody that comes through, every person with an autoimmune disease, thinking in terms of the anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, and what may be going wrong. And that's what I think is, I'm just so passionate about um, have, having people have that knowledge. So it's not taught that way in medical school. Yeah, you're learning biochemistry, but usually from a pharmacology 
standpoint. Yeah, you're learning anatomy and physiology, but from an anatomy and physiology, not so much about what you can do to shift. Obviously, some anatomy stuff, you're not going to be able to shift if somebody has, you know, two left arms, <laughs> right? You're not going to be able to shift that kind of stuff. But you can also look at what you can do to help them accommodate for some of the anatomical variances. But physiologic and biochemical imbalances, if you have a handle on understanding those, you can help people with just about everything. And and it's just so empowering. Absolutely. I mean, I start there. I start to, I research or I review every case, the basic physiology. And I go to PubMed and just see what's new and what, what are the new, what is the new information there. And we support biochemical pathways, but you need to see which biochemical pathway needs to be supported and then in what order. And it's also very important, as I said at the beginning, is to give the client some quick wins, some, some ways that they can feel yes. that this is, you know, they've made a big investment and that you actually help them, especially if they've gone to so many practitioners, they really are short on patients. Oh, yeah. Short on patients, right? Like some of you doctors out there are short on patients. No, <laughs> kidding. Um, but they are. They, they don't want to wait three years for, you know, a specific thing. They've done all this work. And yeah, it's, it, you know, interestingly enough, you knew enough to look at the IgA. You looked at the IgAs first, but looking at the immunoglobulins and you would expect in an autoimmune condition that there's too many, right? Like, oh, it's an overactive immune system. But what you found was there weren't enough. And then when you supported that person in making enough, you realize there's other things that happen, by the way, in autoimmunity. It's not just the antibodies are high. It's the cytokines and the, the, the T cells, the killer cells and all that that you have to look at, the natural killers and all. So it's not just that piece of the immune system. That's more the acquired immune system, right? The part that the antibodies, you know, because you've been exposed to stuff and then the body's not responding. But we have an overactive uh, innate immune system where there's histamines and inflammatory cytokines and all these things. So it's really when you understand how all this works, you ask the right questions, you get the right answers, you know what tests to run, and you know how to advise people. So thank you, Lisa. This has been extraordinary. So much information. I love picking your brain and having you share that with people because you have that systems approach to thinking things through and to learning, right? Learning doesn't stop with whatever degree you get. Learning is lifelong and every single patient or client that comes in to see you is a learning opportunity because you get to dig deep and to see what's going on, what has been missed if they've been around the block a few times and what you don't want to miss. So really understanding what's going on in their body is hugely different, is usually important. So what I would love to just ask you is, you know, do you have like for our practitioners, our colleagues out there who are listening to this? What are like one or two or three things that you can say to help them get quick wins with clients that have these really severe conditions? Well, I try to kind of categorize things, you know, a systems approach, but there's like system management. So you need to support the key tissues affected. So those are the, you know, the big, it's like, you know, pain relief for somebody who has pain. You can do that through natural, reduced inflammation. I mean, look at the immune balance, digestive support. So if you look at the person's, you know, diet, I mean, that's always start with a diet. We're nutritionists, you know. I mean, and, and, then, and then you can go, go deeper. So first is sort of system management, and then, then you go deeper looking at um, identifying and addressing underlying causes. And then after that, 
it's um, wellness and prevention and ongoing support. So that's when you <laughs> addressed everything. But um, really clean, even if somebody comes to you with a, quote, clean diet, if they are sensitive to the foods that they're eating, even if it's, quote, clean, that's not going to be helping them. So it's just, you know, starting with, I mean, I, I take a diet um, diary with everybody and then ongoing as I'm working with them. I mean, the diet is foundational. Totally foundational. And the thing is, you know, we I support people with nutritional endocrinology. It's affecting the hormones that affect the entire body. And, you know, if you're dealing with the immune system, it's still endocrinology. If you're dealing with the brain, it's still endocrinology because the hormones are those triggers, those little little messengers that go around the body and affect and, and we can affect that with nutrition. And nutrition, yeah, you know, nutrition is nutrition, obviously what you put at the end of the fork, but it's also what goes in any orifice, really, right? What goes in on in and on the body, what you're listening to, what they're smelling, what they're breathing, what they're eating, right? What are they putting on their bodies? And so many subtle things can make huge differences when you identify the stressors. So the big is identify the obstacles that are keeping the body from working properly and reverse them, whether it be with diet, exercise, meditation, all of the foundational pieces need to be addressed, need to be looked at, and a comprehensive plan put together for somebody. But I love the idea of big wins, right? Little wins, right? From the start. So if somebody's in severe pain, you, you can do things naturally to help them to reduce the, the pain to reduce the inflammation to help them. And it may not be addressing the underlying cause, but that's okay as long as you don't stop there. We can't do symptomatic approach and then just stop, which is, I think, where the medical system is falling short. We give a symptomatic approach and walk away. No, yeah, you can do that. And maybe you do send them to somebody who can prescribe a heavy-duty kind of pain relief because they need it right now. But you don't stop no. there. That's just a starting Absolutely. point. Absolutely. And if I'm going to simplify the approach, it's we're replenishing what the what the body needs and we're taking out what's harmful to the body. So we're replenishing, you know, what is oxygen, water, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, you know, the proteins, etc., healthy fats, and then take out what's harmful. But if we have to identify it, you know, are there toxins allergens, stress. I mean, there's so much trauma, limiting beliefs, fear. I mean, there's so many um, things there, but that's in a nutshell what we do. <laughs> that's exactly right. The right stuff going in, the bad stuff yeah, coming out, yeah. right? We do that. It's the identification of that that makes it a science, that makes it something that you need to develop the skill sets for. Get the training if you don't have it. Get the training to do this, and uh, you can help so many more people, especially these people with autoimmune conditions that are giving up. They've given up hope, and we have to help restore their hope because they're like, well, I guess I'm just going to have this for the rest of my life. And I have to take prednisone for the rest of my life. And even though it makes my face puffy and my abdomen swell and my blood sugar go high and now I need diabetes medication because I'm on it, that's, a, that's really, that's getting into their heads and that's helping them to, or making them, hurting them in a way that makes it harder for them to heal if they're in that despondent state. So we have big jobs to do out there and we need to have the right tools. We need to have the right thinking processes to really help people. But it also, it also starts with connecting with that person as a real person and having some real care and compassion. And that's a big part of the therapeutic relationship. Absolutely. 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 
So thank you, Lisa. We appreciate you. I so appreciate having you on our team and being able to help our support our clients and getting well. So for all of you out there, this has been Reinvent Healthcare. We're all on this mission to help to change the system so that everybody has the ability to get access to care that helps them to truly get well, to truly get to the root causes. There's never one root cause, the root causes. And the more you learn about the art of teaching and empowering your patients and your clients to use the power of food and lifestyle to restore their health and restore balance and get rid of the stuff that's getting in the way, the more successful you will be in helping them to get well and the more successful your practice will be. When you can empower them to achieve their health and wellness goals, you'll be fulfilled at the end of the day, not going, I just had to up their medication. You'll feel fulfilled and your practice is going to thrive. And that's what we want. We want to help people. We want to restore health. We want to restore health as a planetary thing. So I would recommend that you download our immune system guide at reinventhealthcare.com slash immune. And we have some charts and things that talk about some of the things we talked about here today, you know, some of the T cells and autoimmune and all that kind of stuff. So reinventhealthcare.com forward slash immune. And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the Reinvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.